yeah, we see these plant species dis disappearing all the time. We find them as a herbarium specimen uh, from the scanning that we do, and then we find, ah, uh, well, it's gone because the specimen has been collected 30 years ago um, and there's a mine now where it used to grow, and it's gone. And that happens all the time. So it's a sort of a, <laughs> a rat race, if you like, trying to be there before um, yeah, it disappears uh, and try to then conserve it, um, which is <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sort of a challenge all the time. Linnaean. The Linnaean Society. The Linnaean Society of, of London. 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 Linnaean Society of London. I'm Anthony van der Ent. Um, I'm based at the University of Queensland in Brisbane, Australia, as well as at the University of Lorraine in Nancy in France and Wageningen University in the Netherlands. Uh, I work on hyperaccumulator plants, which are plants that accumulate very high concentrations of particular metals in their tissues. So New Caledonia is located in the Pacific, uh, off the coast of Australia, uh, about 1500 kilometers, um, and it's world renowned for its biodiversity. So it has over 3,300 plant species, of which 75% is endemic to New Caledonia. And a lot of that diversity is in plants that occur on ultramafic soils, which are soils that are naturally enriched in nickel. Uh, and these soils are really quite nasty for plants to grow on. So they contain high concentration of nickel and cobalt and chromium, uh, but they're also extremely infertile. They have very high magnesium concentrations, low calcium concentrations. Their texture is, is, uh, is quite nasty as well, low water holding capacity. So these soils are very challenging for plants to grow on. Uh, and as a result, in many areas around the world, we see that uh, plants have evolved in quite surprising ways to adapt to these circumstances and species that grow nowhere else than these ultramafic soils. And Nucleodonia is probably one of the best examples of that. And Nucleodonia is isolated. It's a very remote island um, and it has a whole range of different habitats ranging from sea level to mountains uh, with different types of soils, different microclimates. Um, and as such, uh, it has, uh, has an enormous diversity of habitats, uh, which has led to the evolution of many different plant species, uh, most of which again are endemic to Nucleodonia, uh, including a lot of very interesting plant species, um, particularly hyperaccumulators. Hyperaccumulators are plants that have the natural ability to concentrate extremely high concentrations of particular metals or metalloids into their shoots without having any form of toxicity. For most plants, elements like nickel or cobalt, when they are present in the soil at a very high concentration, they're toxic and plants will show toxicity symptoms like yellowing leaves and ultimately uh, die from that. But hyperaccumulated plants have evolved special mechanisms that allow them not only to tolerate uh, these metals, but also to take them up in extremely high concentrations in their shoots. And one of the most extreme examples of this is a tree from Nucleodonia called Pecinandra cuminata. Uh, this is a large tree uh, and it has a latex, which has a blue color, uh, which contains 25% nickel in it. And the blue color is actually from the nickel ions that are in this latex. So that's perhaps the most extreme example known, uh, or known around the world. Most plants, they actively keep out toxic metals. So they have evolved mechanisms in their root to exclude nickel from uptake, because if it doesn't get in, it doesn't cause any toxicity. 
So that's the most common. The most rare are hyperaccumulators. So we only know of about 700 hyperaccumulator species around the world. And so it's quite a rare phenomenon uh, and a rare adaptation. Um, and what plants do that are hyperaccumulators, they actually have enhanced uptake. So they have overexpressed the mechanisms that most plants have to uptake high concentrations of nickel and then have internal detoxification mechanisms within the plant to take care of the nickel in such a way that it does not interfere with photosynthesis and other essential processes within the plant. So most hyperaccumulated plants for nickel, um, they store the nickel in the vacuoles of epidermal cells, a complex with carboxylic acids like citrate. So it's sort of a dumping strategy uh, where it's away from anything that is essential and it's there at high concentrations. And the going hypothesis is that this is a strategy to, um, to have herbivory protection, nickel being highly toxic, particularly in, in a soluble form. So storing this into the leaves, particularly in the young leaves, uh, has uh, an effect that insects and other herbivores will not chew on the leaves. And this has been demonstrated quite extensively in experimental conditions. Um, the case of Picinandra cuminata, the tree with the blue sap, is very special in itself because it's the latex that is extremely high in nickel. And of course, latex in many plants uh, has evolved as a, as a way to repel herbivores and to uh, heal wounds. Uh, essentially, any uh, insect that might be chewing into a leaf of a plant that has latex uh, gets latex um, spit in its face, essentially, once it tries to bite in it. In the case of Picanandra, uh, that latex is also extremely toxic because of this 25% nickel in it. Um, and it seems to be quite effective at preventing or limiting herbivory. The, the first aim we have is to identify these plants. And the main reason for that is that many hyperaccumulated species are extremely rare. So they would only grow on one side, one particular type of soil, a mountaintop, a valley. So Picinandra cuminata, well, there may be a few hundreds of maybe a few thousand individuals left. It's a very slow growing tree. Uh, mature trees are, you know, 500 to 1,000 years old. Um, and it occurs on rainforest, uh, which is in many cases a target for nickel mining. So conventional nickel mining in most places is strip mining. Essentially you clear forest or other vegetation uh, with a bulldozer, then you strip out the soil, and particularly the lower layers of the soil which are nickel enriched, um, and then you essentially do an acid leach on that in a huge industrial plant uh, where you dissolve the nickel and you then chemically process to make nickel products that are used in lithium ion batteries. Um, this happens at a huge scale in Indonesia, the Philippines, New Caledonia and other places. And obviously it's a highly environmentally damaging um, process. Necessary because uh, the demand for lithium ion batteries in cars and so on, but highly destructive. So each, each uh, lithium ion battery has about 45 kilograms of nickel metal in it. Uh, and what they need is high purity nickel sulfate. Um, mm. And so the demand of, well, the growth of, of the, the market for electric cars drives an enormous demand for nickel, uh, particularly nickel in a very pure form uh, that is used in the batteries. Uh, so what we will see in the next couple of years is that there's an enormous increase in nickel mining, particularly in areas where there is a lot of 
ultramafic soil, which can be strip mined. So we'll see undoubtedly a huge expansion of nickel mines in Indonesia, Philippines, Brazil, New Caledonia, uh, and other places like that. So the, I guess the conflict that there is between protection of biodiversity and mining will only increase, plus all the social impacts of that as well on local communities. Type accumulated plants also have the potential to be used for something called phytomining. Phytomining is essentially agriculture. So rather than producing a food or a fiber crop, you produce biomass that has about 2 to 3% nickel in it. That biomass can be composted and the nickel leached out and then further purified in a chemical plant. So the impacts of phytomining are the same as that of any type of agriculture. So you would not, again, do this on protected areas or areas that have high quality forests, um, because then it becomes the second palm oil, if you like. Um, but you would do this on degraded areas that have been deforested. Uh, and there's huge areas like that in Southeast Asia, because these ultramafic soils are highly infertile uh, for normal agriculture. And a lot of them have been essentially locked over to get wood out of it, uh, but then have very little other use um, for conventional agriculture. So there's a huge scope to develop phytomining on those types of, uh, of areas. We are actively uh, working with a number of companies to develop nickel phytomining as an alternative to strip mining. Um, so ultramafic soils are very widespread in the tropics. For example, Sulawesi has over 15,000 square kilometers of ultramafic soils. Now, a lot of that uh, is not suitable for phytomining, either because it's in a protected area or it's forest, but there's also huge areas that have been cleared or that are used for agriculture at the moment, uh, which you could convert to, to phytomining uh, for a number of years to produce nickel. Of course, this is only that something that lasts for you know, two decades, maybe, when you extract all the nickel. Uh, but this could happen at scale and be a viable alternative um, to, to conventional nickel strip mining. Uh, and given that there's a huge demand for nickel in lithium-ion batteries, uh, we think this is very important. An another application for hyperaccumulator plants is in phytoremediation, and in particular something called phytoextraction. So rather than uh, growing these plants to extract the metal for monetary value, so the value of the nickel metal, um, there are hyperaccumulators known that uh, hyperaccumulate arsenic, or thallium, or cadmium, uh, which are metals and metalloids that are highly undesirable, particularly in brownfield sites or industrial sites that are polluted. Um, and this has been a very active area of research uh, where for the last 20 years or so, uh, we've been working on and growing these plants on polluted sites as a way of then extracting cadmium, for example, from the soil. Uh, so that's phytoremediation. And particularly in Europe, that's uh, becoming a more important topic of uh, research and development. Uh, there are a number of companies, and uh, I part-time work at one called Econic, that actually uh, develop uh, and implement phytoremediation at, uh, at brownfield sites in France. Yeah. It, well, it's highly ironic that to go green, uh, essentially, and to limit carbon impacts and so on, uh, you are going to need to do more mining. Um, that's quite ironic, but that's the, the reality, really. Linnaean Society. The Linnaean Society. The Linnaean Society of, of London. 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 London.